0: Welcome to the Forest FM Podcast, episode 26. I'm your host Gillian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Belil Springer. In this week's episode, we welcome Phil Jackson, an award-winning salon owner, industry mentor, and speaker with a passion for the salon industry, onto the show to talk to you about email marketing. And as always, we top off the show with our upcoming Forest Academy webinars. This podcast is produced every Monday morning for your enjoyment with a cup of coffee and your day off. Now, let's get into the show.
1: Hey, Killian, how are you?
0: Not too bad, Zoe. So now we're in our interview week this week.
1: Yes, we are. should be interesting this week. Alex Quinn, um, manager of the the events uh, team. PR and events, yeah. yeah. She uh, had an interview with Phil Jackson uh, in the Harry book of email.
0: Yeah, and I had a read through it there a couple of days myself. It's actually, it's a very good book. So after reading through it, Like he was able to explain email marketing way easier than I could explain (laughs) it to you because he's actually spent 15 years as a salon owner himself in the south of England. Phil Jackson's an award-winning salon owner, industry mentor and speaker with a passion for the salon industry. Welcome to Forest FM, Phil. How are you?
2: I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me. It's um, it's great to talk
0: to you. Yeah, no, thanks for joining the show. Uh, The reason we wanted to get you on the show is because, I mean, like, You've you've had years as a salon owner yourself, but you're also a self-confessed uh, tech geek as well, or a tech tech junkie, as you say in your book, which is where I suppose you came across email marketing and realised the benefits of email marketing for your own salon.
2: Yeah, I've always been really comfortable around tech. Um It doesn't kind of spook me in the way that it does some people, and I'm kind of in love with anything that comes with a screen and an Apple logo. <laughs> so email didn't feel really very foreign to me. But um I suppose, uh, really, I mean, there's two things. First is that I'm quite stingy. I don't like spending money where I don't need to. So Just if like I can me. find a marketing platform to bring in that doesn't cost me anything or cost me next to nothing, then that's fantastic. But, um, also I was on paternity leave, so we, I've adopted two little boys, um, so I'm a salon owner and I'm a, a mentor and a coach to salons as well, but I have to do all that in school time because I'm a stay-at-home dad as well, so I need to find things that will support my salon and support my team without me physically being there, and email marketing is a no-brainer because I can do that from anywhere that I've got a Wi-Fi connection. Mm-hmm. Um, So I love it. I love putting emails together. I love seeing the results starting to come in. But I feel like I'm kind of
0: contributing in quite a significant way to the salon without having to physically be there. Yeah, so like you said there, you are a salon owner, you are a mentor, but you're also a father because like we could do these interviews, but people are always thinking, oh yeah, but like I'm a parent, I've got kids at home. How can I split my time between the salon and home? And you have managed to, I suppose, build a very successful salon and a career out of being a father as well. The, um, the salon side of it was tough. Um,
2: there's a lot of systemization that's gone in, a lot of procedures. Um, we're continually tweaking those. And I go into the salon now about half a day a week. Um, and that's literally just to meet with my team, make sure everyone's happy, empty the safe, <laughs> and uh, do all those those bits and pieces. So I don't do any salon services myself now. I stopped on Christmas Eve last year. was my last haircut. Um, right. And then... The rest of the stuff, yeah, I, I work, um, so I do half a day in the salon, then I do three days a week on my coaching and mentoring, and that's three school days, so I've got very, very little time. So th- that's why it's so important to me that everything that I put in place is really effective, and I need to be able to measure the effectiveness of it as well, Um, because I just don't have time to waste on stuff that's not going to deliver results for for either of my businesses, really. Um, and as far as the balancing act's concerned, um, yeah, I don't always get it right, and I kind of see work-life balance as a long game. So there are weeks when my kids kind of feel a bit neglected because, you know, I've gone to a conference in the States or something like that for five days. Um, And then I'll try and make up for it, you know, so it's not a kind of – my week in in balance, but I try and make sure that my year is.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I suppose what made you decide – it's a brave move to make, but to – I know you're not walking away from the salon, but to eventually turn mm. around and go, "Listen, I want to go into mentoring now, so what got you to that stage because that is it's a well, big it, move to make like
1: yeah
2: and part of it was with the kids, to be honest with you, it, it just restricted how much I could physically do in the salon anyway, um, so I couldn't do any of the busy times, I couldn't do the weekends, I couldn't do the evening shifts yeah um. And I found that actually once I've started to build stuff outside the salon to stop myself going insane and started with the mentoring and coaching, actually that kind of suits me a little bit better. Um, And what my salon is now is kind of my my little laboratory it's where I test everything out um, so when I'm building information products or I'm writing books about strategies or I'm coaching and mentoring other salons everything I'm teaching them I've already tried and I've already tested and I've got I'm really lucky though like, there is a big caveat I've got an amazing team and, um, and they are so patient with me because every time we have a staff meeting I say okay guys we're going to do this now in two weeks <laughs> and, um, and any other team would just go, "Oh my god, I can't deal with this." But uh, but my team is very supportive of the stuff that I do outside, and they're really they always come along to the awards dinners and things like that. They're very proud of me.
1: Yeah, that's great. So, how did they react when uh, you first started? You know, testing out the the email marketing, and were you pretty much in control of everything, or did they have a little role to play in that as well? I
2: always consult with the team really very thoroughly before we put anything out there. Um, And that's because I'm not in the salon to answer any questions. So you can guarantee if I haven't briefed the team properly, someone's going to come in and Mm. ask a question about an email that they've received. And we just end up looking really stupid if (laughs) if the (laughs) team doesn't know exactly what I've been sending out. So they're all um, on the mailing list. So they receive the same emails as my customers do as well. Um, And I always consult with them. I don't always necessarily take ideas from them. I'm still the manager and I'm still steering the business, mm-hmm. but um, I'll always talk through in quite a lot of detail what it is that we're trying to achieve and how we're going to measure the success of that campaign as well. Um, so they, they all know what's going on. Um, sometimes that's a, a very two-way conversation. I'll be asking for ideas, other times it's just me letting them know what's going on.
0: But you're transparent with your staff, you're honest with them and upfront because at the end of the day, like your staff are your eyes and ears if you're not there.
2: So- absolutely and i've got a lot of trust in my team and and like i said it's taken me a lot of years. you know we've been open 15 years now um and the team i have is superb but it's taken a long time to get to that stage it's not something that happened overnight yeah um and yeah they are my eyes and ears but also it, it's it's a, the reports talk as well so if i can see that there's certain services that need attention then i'll dig a little bit deeper or if i can see there's certain retail products that aren't moving any more than we can Perhaps look at um, supporting with an email promotion, something like that. Um, so yeah, they are my eyes and ears, but there's also a lot that I can be doing from home. You know, through my Samsung software system, I can access it from anywhere I've got Wi-Fi.
1: Yeah, that that makes total sense. So, what would you uh, give out uh, as like the benefits of email marketing?
2: I, I think I think we're playing a slightly dangerous game in the industry. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think people are focusing so much on social media mm-hmm. that they're neglecting almost everything else entirely. And I think it's a really dangerous place to be. Um, I see lots of salon owners and managers putting so much effort into their Facebook pages and their Instagram accounts and their Pinterest boards. And, and they're not doing anything with their websites and they're not doing anything with their database. And I think it's a really... Uh, it's not a smart move at all. I think the... In in the book, there was an interview that I did with a guy, and and he puts it so beautifully that I've just stolen his quote completely. And he says that social media is the kind of nightclub. It's the noisy space where there's lots and lots of distraction and lots going on. Mm -hmm. But when you want to take that conversation to a slightly more intimate level and you want to talk to a customer one-to-one, you need the quiet space. And that's what email marketing is. It's that quiet space. So I think the, the three big benefits are... I think you can extend the lifetime value of your customers quite considerably. I think if you're kind of keeping in touch with them and chasing up lost customers and, um, I think that's, I think there's massive gains to be had there. I think it it keeps you in the customer's mind. Um, I think sometimes people just forget to make appointments. Mm. Um, so I think just a little gentle nudge. Sometimes I'll be really honest with you. It doesn't even matter what you're sending. Just the fact that you sent something and they've seen you in the inbox is enough to, to prompt them to pick up the phone. Um, and then also we can we can start guiding customers towards you know much more profitable services that perhaps they've not heard of or products they've not tried before. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's definitely definite financial gains there as well. But I don't want to give the impression that all we're doing is selling because that's really not a big part exactly. of email marketing. It's a significant part, but it's not the bulk of what I send out. Um, I always think if you're Selling can continue- if the only time your customers hear from you by email is when you're selling something, they're going to get really bored really quickly. Um, and that's when you start getting lots of unsubscribes. So I, um, yeah, try and change it up a little
0: bit. And actually, the selling is, it's important, but it's not the whole, the whole bulk of it. Yeah, I mean, like, so you were saying there you, you had a quote in your book. I've actually come across another quote in your book, The Hairy Book of Email, if anyone um, has heard of it or hasn't heard of it. It's a very good book. But I, I really love this quote because we're always talking about it on the show. Think of your salon as a Parthenon in Athens. So it's like all those pillars you need to use, yeah. especially if you're using software, or if you're not using software, you're doing it yourself. Try and use as many marketing channels as possible, but then find what works for you. And like you said, so that's kind of your social media and stuff. And then email is that extra touch point that just makes everything come together and more personal. Because your social media, your SMS, it's all kind of out there marketing. But email is where you actually get to sit back and talk to your client one-to-one.
2: It's when you talk to client one to one you're absolutely right, and it's also when we get a lot smarter about those conversations so if you're putting a, a by definition if you're putting a post out on social media you're trying to get maximum appeal across a very broad audience mm-hmm. because you want that engagement and you want those likes and shares and clicks. But when when you're trying to and certainly when you get to the marketing side of it and you're trying to push someone towards a profitable service or a, a profitable product, you can't talk in those very general terms. And there aren't any other platforms that can really narrow down. You know, when you look at a system, I'm, I'm going to plug Forest because it's the one that I understand now. When you look at a system like Forest, it's not just sat there taking bills for you and making appointments. It's building up a massive amount of information about your customers. So we can then, instead of, target, instead of just broadcasting a sales message out there, we can really target it, bearing in mind the last time somebody was in the salon, bearing in mind the kind of services they've had from us before. So that marketing becomes much more effective. And, um, and I think that's the trick that people are missing. I think they're doing broadcast messages and trying to get lots of interaction. But actually, when it comes to the marketing side and turning that into extra profit in the salon, I don't think you can beat email.
0: Yeah. But like you said, like you're not just using email for sales. Like you can use email for a whole host of things so for building your brand, asking for referrals, sending people to your website, to your booking page. But there are there's three types of emails that you talk about in your book that like we really want to focus on because this is what email does best. Your transactional emails, your relational emails mm. and your promotional. So those transactional Absolutely. emails alone they're not big uh, graphical uh Not graphical emails you'd see that that you'd get from some big company like Apple or someone like that. These are just very straight to the point emails, and they're simple to do, aren't they?
2: They are, and they're the one that everybody overlooks as well because they're not, you know, like you say, they're not particularly sexy to look at. You know, they don't take an awful lot of thought, a lot of formatting. Though, actually, I prefer emails like that anyway. But we can we can talk about that. But I um I do think that they're very often overlooked, and it's a mistake. And I did it in my salon as well. You know, for a long time. When it came to appointment reminders, we did SMS and only SMS. Yeah. And then I thought, hang on, that SMS is so limited. Um, And actually, if we put it into an email, then I can put a promotional message on the back of that. And the joy of it is that those transactional emails have amazing open rates, much, much higher than anything else you'll send.
0: People are expecting Um, um, these um, emails.
2: What Sorry, say again?
0: People are expecting these sort of emails, the transactional ones.
2: They're excited about it. And the yeah. example that I would give is if I order a new iPad from Amazon – I'm not going to ignore the emails that come from Amazon for the next week or so until (laughs) that iPad's in my hand. You know, I open every single one and I want the tracking number. I want to know where my password is. I want to know who the courier is that's going to bring it to me and what time they're going to arrive. Um, So, yeah, you're getting lots and lots of opens on those emails. So, And every other company, you know, they know this. When you open one of those emails from Amazon, it's always got two or three suggestions for things that would go really well with your purchase or things based on your purchase history, what else you might like. Um, and just a simple promotional email, you know, an upsell that you can apply to everybody is it's just a no-brainer. But it does need to be quite general because, of course, it's going out to your entire database and trying to find upsells that are applicable to everybody. That can be quite tough. But once you've hit on something, it's it's marketing gold. It
0: really is. So that kind of brings us then to it's all about understanding your database then, isn't it? So, like, you could send, the, the I suppose a very rare promotional email you could send to all your database but it's all about personas and i suppose targeting your emails isn't it it is yeah um
2: i call them avatars and i've got five avatars for my salon um and it's they're imaginary people that embody the characteristics that make up my my database so yeah. um the example i always give is jenny jenny is my my strongest avatar in the salon and i know how old she is i know how many kids she's got i know what she does for a living what Mm -hmm. she earns i know when she's available for appointments and then as soon as you've got those avatars in mind it makes putting those emails together much much easier because you're just writing an email to jenny then it's not a kind of anonymous broadcast that you're putting out there it's something much more personal
1: yeah you're not Um, writing an email to 10,000 people like (laughs)
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it may well be that you've got 5,000 jennies. Yeah. But um, when you read back that email, it would never come across that way. Yeah. It's always me talking to another person. And, um, and I hate this kind of, this thing that says, that we're B2C or B2C, B2B businesses. It's not. It's person to person. And companies don't send emails. Companies don't open emails. People send emails and people open them. And when we can get back to that level of interaction, I think we're going to see a lot more success with email. Um, my personal hate is when people send out anything that's got the word newsletter in it. You know, as soon as it says newsletter, I just swipe left. I'm not interested at all. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that level of corporate communication, we really need to steer away from because that's not the kind of relationship we've got with our customers, and it's not the kind of relationship they want with us either.
1: So, how do you go about planning a campaign, for instance? You know, if you're if this week you have nothing planned uh, in your salon and you want to push something out, how do you go about that?
2: Okay, well, the email never works in isolation anyway, so it would always be feeding into something else that's going on in the salon.
0: Be part of your um,
2: it, It's very rare that I would send out an email promotion that isn't running somewhere else. Um, so it ties into a broader marketing strategy. So it ties in with the window, it ties in with the point of sale displays, ties in with the posters that we've got around, ties in with social media, so everything's working in one direction. Um it might have a slightly different language to it because we're talking to existing customers, usually through email marketing, but but it will still be the same kind of promotion. Um, I run my promotions over a month, um, so I've got 12 promotions running every year. And I plan my emails so that everything's done and dusted by the third week. Um so I always launch a promotion on the first, even if it's a Sunday, um, which you shouldn't do, I know, but I do. <laughs> um so it goes it goes out on the first and that will be quite a detailed email that tells them everything that I think they need to know to make that purchasing decision. Um and then I'll send a reminder out about a week later, so somewhere around the eighth, and that will be much, much shorter. And it's just a nudge to say, Did you see this? Um, you know, two or three sentences, nothing more than that. And then I'll send a final email, which will go out around between the 17th and the 20th normally, and that's their last call. Um, so again, it's not a huge email. it would be quite short. Maybe a couple of the bullet points pulled out of the first email, and it will literally just be, don't forget, this is ending at the end of the month. I would hate you to miss out. And usually by then, you've got some scarcity that you can build in as well, because you're down to your last six bottles, and you've only got three appointments left. So a bit of scarcity always helps with calls to action as well. Um And then they won't hear from me again. So if that goes out on the 17th, then they won't hear from me me for about another two weeks until the next promotion, the next month. And I know that sounds like a lot of emails to people. You know, they're used to sending out a quarterly newsletter or something like that. So sending out three in a month feels like an awful lot. But trust me, it's much more effective than just kind of a fire and forget. You know, people need to, if you're going to get that level of interaction and engagement from your customers, you need to be in touch with them much more
0: often. Exactly, yeah. And just before we move on to that dreaded uh, the dreaded word, um, for anyone that <laughs> does want some examples of some schedules, you actually have them on your website, don't you? So harrybooks.com slash email, so you can download an example.
2: harrybooks.com slash email, you can download all the sheets that go with the book, or even buy the books, that would be even better. Um, <laughs> exactly. That's on Amazon, it's on Kindle as well, yeah. um, and all the worksheets are there for you to copy. Or um, yeah, head to
0: harrybooks.com and that's got all the all the sheets that you can download. Yeah, and it's it's a very easy to read book. I was reading it last night. Um, like it does not take too much time, uh, on your hands. Like you actually said, you joked about it at the end of your lunch break, and then you're like, I know you probably don't have a lunch break, but it is like it's just a couple of minutes here and there. It's just so well laid out. So moving on to that dreaded word, then the unsubscribes. So that mm. feared word. <laughs> so
1: it, yeah,
2: it's kind of. I mean, you can. It's a bit of a glass half full, glass half empty situation with unsubscribes. Really, you can focus yeah. on what you're losing, or you can focus on what's left behind. And I'm, I never try and kid people that they're not going to get unsubscribes. And particularly if you haven't sent any emails out, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're changing the changing the way that you're communicating with your customers. Some of them won't like it, and you will get unsubscribes. Um, it's it's kind of inevitable. And so, um, beyond that initial bump in unsubscribes though, I do, I do keep an eye on the unsubscribes, but I certainly don't obsess about them. Um, because it, at the end of the day, if you got somebody who doesn't want to hear from you by email then there's really no point in having their email address Um, so by all means i kind of encourage them to unsubscribe almost to make it very very easy for people to take themselves off my list yeah Um, and then and then we just focus on what's left and and what's left behind is a list of people that do want to hear from you by email Mm -hmm. and they're happy to receive your messages in that format and that's a really valuable resource you've got then so yeah we kind of push all the unsubscribes to one side as quickly as we can Um, and then and then focus on what's left behind, and, and I think that's that's kind of the way you've got to look at it. Otherwise, you drive yourself nuts, and it gets a very depressing place to be when you start obsessing about the unsubscribes. So I keep half an eye on it, um,
0: but don't worry do about it find too much.
2: Sometimes, that, that if you've done a campaign and it kind of hasn't gone quite so well, sometimes you see a little bump in the number of people that leave the list. But that that's kind of rare once you get past that first initial rush.
0: Yeah like I I couldn't agree with you anymore like I find unsubscribes actually clean up my list for me (laughs) because you think about it if you've 10,000 clients on your list but only 5,000 of those are actually interested in your information I'd much rather have quality over quantity so I'd rather nearly those other 5,000 unsubscribe so it means it's even more targeted again the people Mm -hmm. I'm talking to
2: absolutely absolutely um, and I think, yeah, cleaning up your own list, in, in a self cleaning
0: list almost, is a really good way of looking at it. Yeah. So don't don't get bogged down by it. Don't worry about it too much. See it as a positive because at the end of the day, we're all busy. I mean, like yeah. everyone's email box is full of stuff. So listen. Absolutely. It, you, I, mean, I yeah. think the last
2: statistic that I read was
1: something like 144 emails per person on average every day. Oh, I wouldn't you even be just surprised by insane. that? Yeah. Um, and, and then that's one of the reasons why people unsubscribe. I think where people go wrong with unsubscribes
2: is they start to second guess and they start worrying about why people are unsubscribing. Was it me? And the truth is that you, well, you just never know. You yeah. never know why they unsubscribe. It might be because they have decided they're not going to come back to the salon, but it might just be that they get too many emails and this is a really easy way to reduce it by one. Um, so I don't ever try and second guess why people are leaving my list. Um, and then the truth is but I've never lost a salon customer through sending emails. Um, you know, so even if they're really annoyed with the number of emails you're sending, the most they will do is unsubscribe. They're not gonna stop coming into the salon because you've kind
0: of battered down the, the inbox a little <laughs> bit with email. Yeah. So we're just gonna move on to like so You've got the understanding of how you should go about your um I suppose your email campaign. But now the actual email itself, because like we touched off it earlier, we said you see the bigger companies and they have these huge, real graphical, pretty looking emails, that's not always mm. necessary for your clients, is it?
1: You don't I don't need- think
2: so. I think if if you take a kind of mental snapshots of your email inbox and then try and figure out which emails it is that you're most likely to open first and most likely to read. And, uh, and it won't be the ones that are big newsletters from from corporates. And it probably won't be the newsletters that you're getting from the restaurant that you visited six months ago. It will be the one that's come from a family member you haven't spoken to for three weeks or be the friend that's catching up with you after six months. They're the ones that you're going to open first. And when you do open that email, we need to kind of get as close to that model as we can. So when you do open that email, it needs to be very pared down. It needs to be very familiar. It needs to be very chatty. There won't be a logo in there anywhere. I don't think you should put logos in emails. I think it's kind of fanning your own ego a little bit rather than actually doing anything useful. And I don't put, and this is where I do, okay, so full disclosure, not everybody agrees with what I'm going to say now, but I don't put images in my emails at all unless I absolutely have to. And the reason for that is that most of the emails now are going to be opened on a mobile device. The more images that you're packing in there, the slower that load time is going to be, the more likely it is that someone's just going to press delete instead. So I try and keep my emails text purely unless there's a- a- absolutely a call that needs an image to demonstrate. So, you know, if it's a new product that you're launching, then yes, you might well have a product shot in there. But
0: there'll be one photo, so there would never be more than that. Oh, you're completely right. And like, not only is it loading faster on your mobile by cutting out the images, it also helps avoid spam filters. So the spam filters on like Gmail and stuff like that, they've become so smart that they've actually gone past just picking up on words like free and things like those. They've now gone on to like start reading images as well. And your images could trigger spam filters.
2: Absolutely. And also, that's another reason to welcome the unsubscribes, because if you've got people that aren't engaged with what you're actually sending out, that's going to hurt your send rate quite considerably on the spam filter side as well.
1: Yeah. See, I found it interesting when you were saying uh, that you, you know, you have to, well, personally, you stripe down your emails to basically just text, because, like, when I think about... Personally, me going to a salon or a barber shop uh, have quite short hair now but uh, <laughs> um I'm going to see friends you know my my hairdresser my barber is basically a friend, so if I'm getting any communication from them, I'm getting a communication from a friend whereas if I'm thinking about like a huge company, for instance, like apple, I'll never have that same relationship with them. Because it's just very corporate, exactly. so it, like it, it does. It's really interesting, and it does make sense to just send that striped down uh, text email. Because you're really just building a customer relationship, and you're building a friendship over uh, over time with these clients that are coming in. Absolutely. And if you think about the big corporate stuff,
2: occasionally you will get something from a person, but that would usually be from customer services. Mm -hmm. And that's when you've gone from
1: that big corporate
2: relationship all the way down to an individual talking to an individual. And that's what we're trying to aim for. But that that said, uh, I would always test everything. So, you know, it may well be that what I'm saying isn't appropriate for everybody's audience Mm -hmm. so what i would do is is test it so you do two or three months of of sending very pared down emails and then two or three months where it's a little bit glossier and a bit more brochure like and just see what the interaction's like but it's very very rare i think that you would get the results that uh, that point towards the more glossy content
0: i think most people tend to respond a lot better to that pared down version Mm -hmm. so that comes back to creating and understanding your avatars or your client personas again isn't it and A, B test to on them. Yeah, I mean, the,
2: the, the closer you can identify, the more accurately you can identify a customer and then figure out what she needs and then tailor your message to those needs. I mean, the better your response is always going to be.
1: So how do you go about creating subject lines then? Because subject lines have to be kind of interesting. They have to kind of be, they have to catch someone's attention for them to open the email and get that text, you know?
2: <laughs> they do. And, um, and subject lines, the difficult thing with subject lines is the goals keep moving. So you can come up with a really good format for your subject lines and then as your relationship with the customer develops, or as time moves on and fashions change, then all of a sudden those subject lines don't work anymore. So it is hard work doing the subject lines. <laughs> I would say that most people just don't spend enough time on them. This is part of the problem. And I would say that out of the time that I spend on my emails, I mean, I can do an email campaign relatively quickly now. But about a third to a half of that time will be spent writing just the subject line. Because it's so important, you know, all of that wonderful work that you put into the body of your email if it's not even opened, then it's time wasted no one's going to see it. Um, I do keep a file, so I've got a spreadsheet on my laptop. So anytime I see a subject line that I think I might be able to amend, that I think would go really well, I'll steal it. Basically, and <laughs> put it into my swipe file. Um, I mean, obviously use
0: well, why waste word, time creating something. something that's already there?
2: Yeah. It's you know let's not try and reinvent the wheel. If it caught my attention, and you know I'm fairly close to one of the customer avatars in my salon, then chances are it's going to have a good response with my audience as well. Um, and also, some of these companies have got much bigger resources than I have, so let them pay out for all the split testing and let them pay out for all the researchers and the marketers, and then we'll take the benefits, shall we? You're dead wrong. Right. Um, so I do keep a swipe file on there, and then there's it, what I say in the book is there's essentially two types of subject lines. To the blind subject lines, which some marketers will call intrigue subject lines, where you don't necessarily know exactly what's in the email straight away. It's literally there just to catch attention and to get you to open. Um, And they're really good fun. If if you're good at writing them, you can get some amazing results. Um, And then the other type of subject line is the direct subject line, which tells you exactly what's in the email. Yeah. I think where people go wrong with direct subject lines is they try and summarize the whole email in one sentence, um, which I think is a, a really big mistake. So what I would do with a direct subject line is just pick out the main benefit um, and then try and get that into five to ten words maximum and then put that out as a subject line. Um, I like direct subject lines because they're just a
0: lot easier so I can get through a lot of them. <laughs> no, the I'm I love the direct ones too, straight to the point um
2: absolutely but it does get boring for your audience if that's all you're doing so yeah. i think it's important to you know blind subject lines are fantastic when they work you know you can get some real i mean if i send if i send an email out saying killian i had a dream about you you know <laughs> no, no matter what stage our relationship's at you're going to open that email aren't you, you know, I'm, already, I'm already i'm already trying to see what's inside <laughs> exactly exactly you know even if you hate my guts you're going to want to know what that email says yeah um so if you when you get it right you can have some fantastic results with blind subject lines and you do need to change it up a little bit um so if all you're doing is direct subject lines occasionally just kind of sprinkle something a bit more intriguing in there
1: yeah
0: cool um yeah and like just just to cap off the subject line section there Like, I don't know about you, Phil, but I find the best way for me to come up with subject lines is I actually open up my own email on my phone because it forces the, do you know the way it forces that preview or the subject line box even smaller? So I use that to try and compose, like you say, six to 10 words, I say about 36 characters. I want to be able to see my full subject line on the mobile preview because then I know my message is going to be clear on everywhere, any platform you go to see
2: absolutely and in fact every element you know you need to be everyone's going to open it on mobile particularly something that's coming from a salon um you know the the send rate would go through the floor if you didn't have something that are good on on mobile so yeah absolutely test it test the subject lines and in fact test them in small quantities as well so very often i'll send out you know if i'm going to send out a thousand emails i'll send out maybe 200 so 100 on on one subject line 100 on the other and see what the best response was before I'll send out the other 800. But then this is when I start to geek
1: out a little bit and I know that a lot of salon owners wouldn't have the time to split test their subject lines first. Yeah. Uh, Listen, Phil, so if we try and just do a little recap for people, for instance, for people who haven't really been using email in their salon, what would be step one, two and three uh, to get started with it? Step
2: one, I think would be to clean up your database first, you know, make sure you've got some data. Um, But that said, you know, even if you've only got 50 email addresses to start sending to, I would just get in the game, just get started um, and start to get some results. But uh, yeah, step one has to be collect that client data in the salon and make sure that you're absolutely getting email addresses from everybody. Um, Obviously, the online bookings help a lot with that because, you know, people are submitting their email addresses and you know it's a good, valid email address from the start. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you need to make sure you've got some clean data. After that, just have a go, just get it sent. So I would come up with some kind of gentle promotion not something that's going to kind of bankrupt your company it doesn't have to be a massive you know it doesn't have to be a massive discount but maybe an upsell on, on something so if you were a hair salon what could you add on to a hair uh, say a haircut so a service that loads of people are going to have what could you add on um so maybe a deep conditioning treatment something like that to so provide value um, and then i would i would build a really nice promotion around that um send it out beginning of the month little reminder halfway through and then uh, don't forget to get in on this at the end of the month and just see how it goes. I, I think there's a lot of fun to be had in email. And it's, I know people are really looking for ways that they can step back from the salon a little bit and contribute in the way that I spoke about at the beginning, you know, contribute to their salons without being there. And I think email could be a really important part of that.
0: Well, Phil, that's been absolutely brilliant. And just again to reiterate, if there is anyone out there who is completely new to email marketing, or even if you've been doing it for a while and you just want to get some structure to it, I really do recommend The Harry Book of Email. Um, and you have another book as well, The Hairy Book of Innovation, which is before email. Wasn't I do. It? Yeah. That
2: was, that was my first book, yes. And then the email one was out this year.
0: Yeah. Because, like I said, it's wrote by a salon owner for salon owners. So you Absolutely. you don't include any market on jargon or anything like <laughs> yeah. that. It's a nice user-friendly book to go through.
1: I'm really pleased you enjoyed
0: it. Thanks a million for joining us on the show, Phil Jackson.
1: Thanks so much.
0: And um, yeah, hope you have a great day.
1: It's
0: been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All the best. And now to our weekly Forest Academy series. So what have we yes. got coming?
1: So on Forest Academy, uh, the next webinar is actually only on June 7th. Uh, it's two weeks away, so. Yeah, so that's on the Wednesday. Uh, still, again, 3pm to 4pm UK Ireland, 10am to 11 AM U.S. Eastern Time. So it is the Salon re- Retailing Masterclass. Uh goes on every month. It's led by me, actually. So if you do like my voice, <laughs> I'm piggybacking on yours last week. <laughs> listen but to yeah, me. Listen to me. Uh, no, but it is really interesting. And we uh, we go through uh, ways to build a retailing culture within your salon. So it's not about like necessarily how to sell because it's not necessarily About selling. It's you know creating a relationship with your clients and understanding their needs.
0: Yeah, exactly. Get on board that. And as usual, you can do it through go to the Forest website, go to resources, go to guides, or you could go to Facebook and find the event page there under events. Yes. Click through, register your details. You guys have to register yourself because you will receive your own unique login code from the day. So unfortunately, we can't sign you up, but (laughs) we can provide the links to you if you get. If you do need them, yeah. So yeah, um, that interview with Phil Jackson. If there's anyone else you want to hear us interview on the show, let us know. Um, leave some feedback on iTunes under Forest FM, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or, or just email us if you if you prefer that. Marketing at forest And uh, we'll do our best to get your preferred speakers on the show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let us know who you want to hear on the show next and we'll see if we can do it. (laughs) Okay, so that's it from me. And I think that's it from you, Zoe.
1: Yes, I don't have anything to add to that. So I guess have an amazing week and we'll catch you next Monday.
0: All the best.